just won the super bowl we're gonna win the super bowl this year um if we're gonna win the super bowl with brandon allen i i mean i guess i mean i i guess and if kyle Shermer is gonna get snaps at qb if we're winning a super bowl, i don't know if that's gonna happen but well the bengals backups are officially better than the buccaneers backups so i'll take that any day of the week uh well i mean let, let i mean their top 35 players are probably better than our top 35 players though so well well, I mean, let's so let's get into it then. Uh, Bengals last, what was that? Was that Saturday night? Yeah, Saturday. Night. Yeah, Saturday night. Saturday night, Bengals win nineteen to fourteen. Uh, lots to talk about. Really, just a uh, a very uh, return to normal experience watching preseason football uh, for the first time in two years now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see. I, I mean, I, I kind of like watching preseason just because it's more of, you know, not X's and O's, and it's just guys going out there and performing. Uh, and you get to see a lot of guys that you haven't – you don't really get to see a lot, you know, on offense and defense. I kind of like the aspect of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the preseason is amazing because you get yourself ready for the season. Uh, it's preseason for the fans, too. We got to learn – uh our cheers we got to learn how we're going to watch the games this year it's preseason for us too we're knocking the rust out as well um but i guess yeah let's just dive right into preseason game one um i think i mean the, the most surface level thing to get into right away is the new uniforms debuted they look very good to me i really like i really like the black i think they look nice they and look i think really good and and, and i really think that I didn't not, I didn't mind the old black ones, but I think these new ones have a new, I don't know how to say it. They're, they look kind of sharp. They look, just look sharper. They look more modern. Yeah. Dropping the, uh, dropping the shadow from the numbers really makes them look better and getting rid of that side paneling makes them look better. And they just, they did look very clean on Saturday night with, with that black uh, Jersey white pant look. Yeah. I like, I like the white pants with the black Jersey too. It makes the Jersey pop. So yeah, look very good. Uh, so yeah, that's surface level. And now let's, let's get into the game. So Bengals win 1914, um, kind of just, just to get us started here, what were your kind of key takeaways from, from Saturday night? What were kind of maybe three or four things off the top of your head that stuck out to you and, and uh, you wanted to mention what uh, from watching the game? So I thought the first team defense, I mean, they only played what two drives. Wow. Well, yeah, one. they had some first team had, guys in on the yeah, second. They had, yeah, they had some dudes in there. Um, but I think, you know, I, I, I think they played pretty well, you know, in the limited snaps they got. 
um, you know, watching and listening to other people talk about the Bengals. Um, DJ Reader played four snaps, which was nice to see. Um, you know, very exciting to see him, you know, get a little bit of preseason action. And, you know, that, that first drive of the second defense, I mean, they looked terrible. But then they kind of, they kind of, I mean, they just looked awful. Yeah, they got. I mean, they made, yeah. But I, I, I think they clamped down. They look pretty good the rest of the night. So I think Joseph Asai is going to be a problem. I think he's going to be really good. Yep. So I think, uh, I think the two guys, two or three guys that stick out the most for me uh, from Saturday night uh, would be Darius Hodge, Joseph Osai on defense. Just, I mean, those guys were everywhere. Uh, I think PFF had Osai with five pressures, two hits. Uh, he had a very solid uh, first performance. Um, not entirely sure why he was still out there at the end of the game, but if we're going to play the rookies, let's play the rookies. So I guess that's what we're doing. Um, and, and then Darius Hodge was just a man possessed on Saturday night. He, yeah, I think he, he, he's fighting for, for a roster spot. So I think he, I mean, he's just doing everything he can. Yeah. To, you know, on the field. Yeah. Back end of the roster guy. Uh, he definitely is, uh, once Wyatt Hubert, uh, Bengal seventh round pick out of Kansas state, once he got hurt, kind of open the door for Darius Hodge. So we could, we could see him uh, take spot number 53 on the roster, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, even if he might take spot 53, but he also might get on that 46 man active roster um, on game day. So I think he can maybe wait, make his way onto the game day squad. Yeah. Yeah. Very encouraging signs from Darius Hodge. Um, and then kind of just to circle back first team defense. Yeah. It was one drive, but they looked very good. Uh, and they came out in the in that five two sort of nickel alignment. What did you what did you think of that with Tupo replacing uh, Ogan Joby who did not play? Uh, Tupo replaced him in that uh, lineup instead of Mike Daniels. So just kind of what were your yeah, so thoughts like, on first team defense? Yeah, so I like that. I think that you know I think our DBs are good enough now where you know we can have more of them on the field. I think you know the last couple of years there's been a depth issue. So we couldn't run those nickel and dime looks because I mean, we'd have a guy in there that really shouldn't, I mean, let's be honest, he wouldn't be on a lot of NFL roster. So why put him on the field? So I think our depth is better this year. So I think we have more versatility on what, you know, what schemes we can run, whether we want to stack the box more or, you know, if they're running, if they're running down our throats, AKA the Ravens, or, you know, we're playing like the chiefs or somebody, the chiefs or the Packers and they're airing it out. So I think we have the versatility this year. Yeah, and then to steal a or to steal a term from Ohio State, uh, the Bengals get the Buccaneers. Bengals first team uh, defense gets the Buccaneers into uh, third and long on the first drive, uh, and they bring in sort of this Rushman package, which was Hendrickson, Hubbard, Cam Sample, and Joseph Osai. So, and they got after the quarterback and got a sack. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's kind of cool to think that. Joseph Osai's first, you know, it's not going to count, obviously, in the, in, in the record books, but his yeah. first career step was against Tom Brady. Yeah, and what a moment for him. And like we are talking about right now, uh, just a wonderful debut for Joseph Osai. Um, but the bad part about it is he stays in, in my opinion, and I don't know about in your opinion, he stays in a little too long, um, bangs his wrist on Darius Hodges' helmet, and – 
we might not see Joseph Osai for two or three weeks now. Um, so just, you know, uh, the Bengals always have that shitty injury luck. So I, I really, yeah, but I, I, but I think, I mean, getting him reps is important, but I don't think he should have been on the last play. I think you give that to a guy who, you know, you want to evaluate for the, for the, one of the last roster spots, not somebody who, you know, who's going to be a key contributor, um, you know, kind of right away, but I do like the aggressiveness of trying, I mean, and the other, the other side of that in trying to get him snaps in order to, you know, make him more comfortable. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, so overall, very good debut by the first team defense. Jermaine Pratt had a very nice fill on a run play. Um, and then coverage wise, Chidobia Wujie had a pretty good, uh, covered Antonio Brown pretty well on a deep route up the sideline. Um, trying to think if there's really anything else to, to mention from what we saw to the first team. I mean, DJ reader had like a, he had that one, he had like a one, he had one QB pressure out of four plays, which I mean, it's pretty good for him because he's not known as a, a you know, elite pass rusher. So. Yeah. And it looks like, uh, Ogan Joby will play this week against uh, the football team. Um, whereas, uh, and we'll get to the offense in a second and talk all about that. Um, but continuing on with the defense, uh, I mean, is there really anything else we need to hit on? Uh, looked pretty solid. Got a couple of takeaways. Jalen Davis had a, had several very solid plays to, to spark some turnovers. Uh, Tony Brown had a very tough night. Very yeah. tough. Yeah, Tony Brown, I mean, uh, I mean, that's what I was talking about, you know, the last couple of years. The depth has been there, and I think that, I mean, he's been here, so. He, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys that have, have struggled a little bit, but you cannot, his athletic talent's crazy. So I, I mean, if he plays even, you know, remotely well, he's going to be on the team because he, he's played well in special teams. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a very much of a roster battle worth monitoring uh, over these next two weeks is going to be Jalen Davis against Tony Brown for that last uh, spot in the DB's room. Um, uh, as we go forward into the season. Uh, we saw last year how important it is to have that depth in the DB room. Uh, so it's good to know that Jalen Davis, guy back there, can make, uh, make, make some plays when given the chance. Um, now, flipping it over to what we really watched on uh, Saturday night, and that is the offense and specifically the offensive line. Um, so the Bengals came out and the first team offensive line was Michael Jordan at right guard, uh, Reef and Jonah Williams, and then Quentin Spain and Billy Price at center, who I thought didn't play terribly. I thought he acquitted himself okay. He's obviously not going to be the starter, so it, it's not that important how he acquits himself, but I thought he played just fine. And Michael Jordan, uh, he had one bad whiff on the Samaji Pirine fumble, but in pass protection, he held up pretty well. So what were your thoughts on the on the first team O-line? Yeah, so, I mean, for, first game of the preseason, the defense isn't going to run any crazy blitzes or crazy stunts. So I think you got to, you know, take that with a grain of salt with the pass protection. But I also think that Billy Price, your Billy Price point, he really did, he did, he didn't play bad. And and we know that he's not that bad. Like, he he can have those games where, you know, he had, he had, was it last year that he won a game ball? Yep. Tennessee. Two years ago. Yep. Tennessee game. Okay. He played, I mean, I went to that Tennessee game. I mean, he played well during that game with that. That was a true makeshift O-line, but yeah. um, 
I, I, you know, he has the potential to play well. It's just consistency for him. So, yeah, it, it was nice to see him play well, though, in, in, in the game on Saturday. And Jonah Williams and Riley Reef, as advertised, those guys played very well uh, in the limited amount of snaps that we saw them. Jonah Williams had that wonderful uh, kickout block. I don't know what you call that on the screen to Jamar Chase. Yeah. Uh, where he ran out and just decked this uh, decked the corner, which was awesome to see. Yeah, and I and I think as Bengals fans, we know the tackle isn't going to be the problem if those two stay healthy. It's going to be it's going to be at the guard position. So, yeah, and really, I mean, and then Quentin Spain's not he, he's he's good. I mean, he's probably league average, but I'd say he but league average for a Bengals fan is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so. And Quentin Spain had been held out for uh, a couple of days at camp leading up to the Tampa Bay game with some sort of injury. Uh, he didn't show any ill effects of that. He played very well on Saturday night as well. Um, overall, I would say starting offensive line is a huge winner from that first preseason game. Now, this week, I would imagine that we're going to see more of the first team for longer, maybe a quarter or two. Uh, maybe this we treat this game this week against Washington as uh, normally a third preseason game would be. So maybe we see the starters for for more. I guess we'll see. But overall, I thought the offensive line was was solid when those five guys were in there. Now, on the other side of the coin, uh, I know he's just a camp body, but Gunnar Vogel almost got Brandon Allen killed. Yeah, yeah. It, I I don't know why he would be in there with with Brandon Allen. I could see him in there with Shermer, but not yeah. not now. Yeah. Um. But just to uh, and then so our rotation at guard went. Michael Jordan uh, was first guy in. He started, played 13, 14 snaps maybe. And then I think it was Carmen and. Uh, then Suofilo. Suofilo didn't play till the second half, which was kind of puzzling. Um, and we can talk about that in a second. What were your thoughts on Jackson Carmen? First of all, him being the first guy off the bench at right guard. And second of all, just overall, how is how he played? Yeah, so I think we, we, we talked last time how, you know, he's third string and second round pick shouldn't be third string two weeks into camp. But I think, you know, I don't think he played that bad. Um, I think he's just trying to get his feet underneath them. And I think, you know, the more, the more reps he gets, the better he will be. So. Yeah. And, um, you know, his first play was, uh, looked like a pancake block at first, but it ended up, he had hooked the guy with his right arm and took him down. So, uh, first play of, of any game, you don't want a penalty, but nonetheless, when you're trying to get a starting position on, uh, a tormented position group for this team. You don't want your opportunities to get screwed up with penalties. So didn't like to see that. Um, but he did also did have some bright moments when they went goal line with Chris Evans at the end of the half. They ran it right up behind him twice, and he mauled his, uh, his guy in both cases. So he clearly has it in there. We just need to see it more consistently. Now, a guy we are seeing it consistently from is the other offensive line rookie, Deontay Smith. First of all, he played very well against Tampa Bay. And second of all, he has looked 
every bit the part of a guy that he could be the starting right guard on opening day, and I wouldn't have a problem with it. Absolutely. I, and yeah, and what's funny, we talked about it last, you know, last pod, and we talked about it after the draft. I, I mean, this man weighed two, what, 283? 283 is last season at ECU. And we were like, there's not, I mean, you know, he'll sit a year, maybe, you know, maybe right. if you enough, he'll play left tackle. We were thinking right tackle. Right. But it's kind of, it, it's crazy the development that he's had since he's put on weight. Um, it, it, I mean, the, the development's been unbelievable in the last three and a half months. Yeah. He, it, first of all, he had, uh, he had the highest PFF pass blocking grade of anybody on the Bengals Saturday night. He didn't allow a single pressure in 16 pass uh, blocking snaps. And he had a couple of misses in the run game, but you're, you'll take those for a guy that's moving from tackle to guard. And similar to Jackson Carmen, there will be misses because assignments are different and stuff like that. But he looked every bit the part of a guy that it, if Jackson Carmen was doing what Deontay Smith was doing right now, the Bengals draft would be an A+. Plus because everybody would be talking about, oh, my God, Jackson Carmen. They knew exactly what they were getting in this guy, yada, yada, yada. Right now, people on the outside will criticize it and say, oh, my God, they're going to start a fourth-round pick on this offensive line after last year, when in reality, he might be the best man for the job at right guard right now. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's between him and Michael Jordan, you know, for that right guard spot. But um, Deontay Smith's been playing left guard in camp. So would that, it would be another transition for him to play right. Yeah. But I, I think, I think it's definitely doable. I think it's definitely doable. And if you're in search for the best five, you, I think the best five right now is Deontay Smith, Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, and then Reef and Jonah Williams. I think that's the best five right now. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that you also have to take into account the ceiling, the ceiling on Dr. The ceiling on Deontay Smith is way higher than Michael Jordan, I think, in my opinion. Yes. I think the ceiling is a lot higher. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens this week. I think this week is going to be so telling uh, about the offensive line. I think that, uh, you, you know, it's both a problem and a solution to uh, not have the offensive line figured out yet because the competition, I think, will breed uh, a starter at that right guard position. But I am – very excited to watch the game. Is it Friday or Saturday night? It's Friday night. Friday night. Very excited to watch the game Friday night and see what rotations are being employed. And if Deontay Smith can keep up this high level of play that he's on right now, because he's going to be going against Jonathan Allen on Friday night. Well, I'm really, if the stars are playing more, I'm really worried about Chase Young against, against our tackles, but. I think it'll be a good challenge because I think that, you know, that the, the starters didn't get a lot of playing time week one. And I think them seeing Chase Young for maybe a quarter will help them out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, speaking of Chase Young and Jonathan Allen, Joe Burrow and Trey Hopkins are both not going to play uh, Friday night. So I, I am 100% of the belief that Joe Burrow will – take snaps against Miami in that last preseason game uh, and maybe get a series or two uh, in there. And then Trey Hopkins, I don't expect that he plays until the season opener, but it looks like 
everybody else is good to go except maybe a couple of guys on defense for uh, tomorrow night in Washington against the football team. Um, but sticking with the offense, what were your thoughts on how the running back situation played out? We got news right before the game Friday night, Saturday night, that uh, Travion Williams did not make the trip. He tweaked a hamstring in practice right before the team left to go down to Tampa. Very unfortunate for him because right now what you need is reps. And if you're not getting them, you're kind of SOL. And he was already in a touchy spot roster wise, but uh, what were your thoughts on, on how the running backs looked on, on Saturday night? Yeah. So uh, Samaje P run had that fumble, which was, you know, frustrating to see, but I, I, I mean, I still like Samaje. I think, I think he could still be a nice backup running back. Yeah. And so Evans, I, for once, it, it, it's kind of hard to tell because I, I'm looking at the notes right now. He only averaged 2.1 yards a carry on 12 carries. He had that one goal line touchdown, but you know, 12 carries and your longest rush is eight yards. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to say you had a great night, but then again, you watch the film and he, he didn't have a lot of people blocking for him. So. Yeah. Um, I think the problem that Chris Evans is going to have throughout his career is, you know, whereas Giovanni Bernard had that mentality of I'm going to run it, run it right, right off my right guards left ass cheek. I'm going to run it right there and I'm going to get three yards to me, it feels like Chris Evans just maybe wants to dance a little bit too much behind the line of scrimmage. And so that's just something you need to figure out. On those outside zones too, he didn't hit the hole. He tried to bounce it outside. And, and, and in the NFL, unless you're prime Chris Johnson or, I'm, I mean, I'm trying, I, there's really nobody else. I'm trying to think of anybody else. Maybe Alvin Kamara, people like that, they can do that. But I mean, Chris Evans isn't, isn't, isn't Alvin Kamara. So Right. And then I think um, – Chris Evans' best run of the night uh, was uh, Deontay Smith, one of his two or three whiffs on the run blocking, uh, missed his guy, and he had a free runner. And then Evans made a miss with a nice spin move and picked up a first down. I think it was like a third and three, third and four. Uh, It was a very nice play of improvising. Um, But I think he takes that mentality of improvising a little too uh, broadly, and I would just kind of like to see him run – where he's supposed to run uh, on the given play. Um, that being said, he did look very good in the past game. Um, had some, he has good hands. Uh, he had a couple of good catches. Uh, and I thought he acquitted himself very well. He was a big winner from Saturday night in my book. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree 100% with you. Yeah. And also, if we're gonna talk about another, another guy, uh, Patrick, the other, uh, yeah, back. What do you, what do you think of him? I think he's big. He's so big. Um, I, I, I think he played well. Like, I really do. So I think the issue that we're going to run into here is, you know, normally the Bengals will keep four running backs. So Travion Williams, Jacquez Patrick, I think that fourth running back spot comes down to those two guys. But if Puka Williams makes the roster, and we can loop in the wide receiver discussion into this as well now, if Puka Williams makes the roster, I think they're going to keep three running backs because they can move him back and forth. But Jacquez Patrick looked amazing on Saturday night. He was running hard. He was making guys miss. He was fast. 
he looked every bit the part of a guy that we haven't seen in Travion Williams the past, what would that be, three years now? I think so. Um, and so it's it's hard for me to sit here and say that the Bengals should keep Travion when Jacquez Patrick acquits himself like that against uh, a pretty solid defense. Now, that being said, we still need to see it the next two weeks, but I think that there definitely is something there in Jacquez Patrick. And I'd be interested to see if if he ends up being kept on the 53. I, you know, and if he's not on the 53, I think definitely they'll try to keep him on their practice squad. But I could definitely see him. And it's funny, there's been a lot of Bengals like this. You know, they don't keep them and then they go somewhere else and they and they and they outperform expectations. I could definitely see him being one of those guys just because they already have Mixon. Chris Evans is definitely making the roster and they're gonna keep P Ryan. They just re-signed him. So I could see Patrick going somewhere else and, you know, performing really well. So, oh, uh, a little bit of Rex Burkhead is kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, great night uh, for the running backs. I think Mixon had like one or two carries. He was – he looked – excuse me. He looked healthy. Uh, he had a good run uh, where he rammed it off Michael Jordan uh, and took it for maybe five or six yards uh and so that was all good we'll see more on friday night and we'll have more to judge um after this washington game on the run game and the state of the offensive line uh as far as that goes now switching to receiver um all three of the big guys got one catch each uh they probably got t higgins for that second drive and threw it to him right away and then pulled him out of the game uh jamar chase had a very nice catch and and run on the screen pass uh, and then Tyler Boyd had a short little drag route for a catch. And then T Higgins had a little dig route. So what were your thoughts uh, specifically on the entire receiver room, but also just on the three big guys? Uh, I mean, really not much to talk about. I'll get one catch. I'll get pulled one series done. Yeah. So I like everybody getting a catch. I know Zach, that was an emphasis for Zach Taylor, getting them all one catch in a, in, in a game setting. So I think, for my takeaways, I think that Trent Irwin, I thought that he had a couple nice catches. Huge winner on South oh, I also like to see Thaddeus Moss get a catch. I mean, I don't think he's going to make the roster. I think it's just I think it's kind of cool to see him get a catch at the tight end position. Yeah. And, you know, I don't really have much else because I don't think I don't think Shermer and Allen played that bad from the quarterback position, but I think everything was so vanilla that there, I don't know how much you can really take away from the passing game because I don't think they, you know, did a lot of very detailed and complicated um, uh, plays or, or yeah. concept. Yeah, that was uh, – and, and I had that as a point here as well. Zach Taylor, I think, purposefully kept things very vanilla on, um, on uh, Saturday night. He really didn't want to show anything too much, and I don't blame him. Uh, I mean, they're really the only – bag of tricks or, or play that uh, I think uh, shows a different style of thinking was that little tunnel throwback screen play action to chase. Uh, I really like that play. And, and if that's a mainstay in the playbook, I think that's a very good way to uh, get guys moving and get Jonah Williams out in space against a smaller DB. Um, but yeah, he kept things very vanilla. And then Shermer, I mean, they're going to keep two quarterbacks, so it really doesn't matter. But, uh, I mean, neither of those guys, either Dungy or Shermer, was particularly inspiring to me. Uh, I think you keep one of them on the practice squad, and, and you're cool with that. 
Yeah, so all, all I know is that Sh Kyle Shermer looked a heck of a lot better than Kyle Trask <laughs> on, on Saturday night for the Buccaneers. But, no, I, I don't think Shermer played that bad. I mean, I'm looking at the box score right now. I mean, he had a 56 quarterback rating. Brandon Allen had a 52 quarterback rating. I mean, that's nothing to be crazy. It's, it's nothing to go crazy about. It's also really nothing to panic about. They, I mean, combined, they were like 66% completion percentage. So it's not bad, especially for, for I mean, as we said, for how vanilla the offense was. Yeah. So I think that, uh, I, I think this week against the football team, <laughs> Brandon, I think Brandon Allen's going to play a little more. So, yeah. I would expect we'll see Brandon Allen at least the entire first half this week. So we'll get kind of a better gauge. I mean, he's obviously the backup. So all anything we're looking for at this point is just to make sure we're seeing what we saw against uh, Houston last at the end of last season. Uh, I'm totally good with Brandon Allen as the backup quarterback. I think he's very serviceable. And if Joe Mixon had been healthy when Brandon Allen was was the quarterback last year, I think the offense would have been much better than what it was. Uh, I, I think it's kind of uh, a little bit selectively blind to just take a look at the stats from last year uh, and not take into account all the guys that were out uh, when Brandon Allen was playing quarterback uh, for the Bengals. So, uh, and then I think the last point to get into on uh, Saturday night's game before we kind of wrap a bow on that is uh, the kicking competition. McF it's McPherson. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be. I mean, you don't draft a kicker that early and, and he, and he's not the guy, especially when he's playing well, he's kicking well. He hit that. He hit that. So McPherson hit a 40 yard field goal and he went over the net. I mean, he's got, he's got like, I think, I, I mean, I got really excited because I mean, you got to think, think about all the kickers who were, who have been drafted in that round. There's some good kickers. Well, like there's, Aguayo was well thumbs down. He's drafted in the second round, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy. Mike Nugent was drafted in the second round too. What but, uh, what round was Blankenship taken? I don't think he was. He wasn't drafted. Oh, he wasn't. No. Have you seen but, him? Are you drafting that guy? Come on. He was automatic last year. He was. But, I mean, how can you tell your fan base, hey, we're drafting this guy in the sixth over somebody else? You know what I mean? He was, wasn't he building Legos when he got a call that he got, uh, that he got signed? Uh, I have no idea. That'd be funny, though. Uh, I guess, anyways. I, 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 he's, he's awesome. He's actually really good. I think he's going to be really good for a long time for the Colts. Yeah, the Colts have kickers galore. They had Vinatieri for, what, like 20 years, and now they're going to have Blankenship for like 30 years too so and they have the, my man pat mcafee is the punter <laughs> exactly um anyways mcpherson just a beastly performance uh and then he's backed it up in practice this week he's just been kicking the living shit out of the ball so i think yeah, it's yeah. done he's gonna and, that, and that's not to say that austin side austin cyber's still a good kicker yeah I, I think he'll get an opportunity somewhere else for sure he should but, but yeah Absolutely. With Will Lutz being out for 10 or 11 weeks down in New Orleans, I think maybe the Bengals try to deal Cyber for like a sixth or a seventh round pick. Doubt it. They're probably just going to end up cutting him and he'll well, sign. They'll probably, they'll, the Saints will probably just wait till they, they cut him and then bring him in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, Austin Cyber, I mean, he's not done anything wrong. It's just that McPherson's been that guy and he's been that good. 
So uh, you really just can't. And you, like you said, you take a guy in the fifth, fifth round as a kicker for a reason. Uh, and so I am perfectly okay. And I really love the idea of McPherson being the kicker uh, for the Bengals because they probably, Bengals probably haven't had a good kicker. Uh, you could say early days of Mike Nugent, but it goes further back than that. I mean, maybe Neil Rackers. Shane Graham. Rackers disease. It's a damn epidemic. Hey, Shane Graham's like top 15 in NFL history in field goal percentage. All I remember is when I went to the Eagles game in 2008. He tied? missed like a 32-yard chip, chippy to win the game, and we tied. Yep. And I didn't even know a tie was a thing. Neither yep. did Donovan McNabb. Speaking of, speaking of kickers and ties, I went to go see – when Prime Cam Newton came to Cincy, okay. it was like the year before his MVP season, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. And Mike Nugent missed like a forty-yarder, and we tied. And I was, and I was pissed. The Bengals literally, I I feel like the Bengals tie the most of any team ever. Yeah, I I, I think they have. Let's they think have, in the last twelve years, they had they tied Carolina, Washington, Philadelphia twice. Twice. Uh, and then who was the other one? There was another tie. Wasn't there? Maybe. And we're getting way too into that. Uh, yeah. Bengals tie a lot is the moral of the story. Um, but, yeah, kicking Evan McPherson, I think, rubber stamp, that's good and done. Um, and then moving forward uh, to Washington this week, um, and just a couple of notes on training camp this week. Like we said, Joseph Osai, uh, don't know the severity yet, probably two or three weeks. Hopefully he's back for the season opener uh, and he can get Kirk Cousins uh, in his grasp. Um, this week at practice kind of seems like Joe Burrow is back to the old ways of, of doing things. Yeah, I think he's getting more comfortable with that knee brace. I think he's getting comfortable, more comfortable being in the pocket, not getting rolled up on. I, I honestly don't think his confidence is going to be fully back until week one against Washington – or not Washington, against uh, Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, it's like a real full game, and, and, and he's getting pressured for a full 60 minutes. I think that's when his confidence will be back. Yeah, he's going to need that first hit where everybody's like, oh, my God, the Bengals O-line sucks. And then he's going to get up and, and he'll be good to go. I totally agree with you. It just takes one to get it back in the system. Yeah, I think it's going to take one. And it might happen against Miami. You never know. It would actually would be fine to happen against Miami. Well, you know, he'll, he'll probably have a lot of opportunity to play against Miami if Tua keeps throwing interceptions. <laughs> well, I mean, we, you and I both have the same. I, I'm, I'm not the biggest Tua fan, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think – He'll have a couple series against Miami. Maybe he gets knocked down once or twice. Nothing too serious. Just to get him, just get him used to getting hit again. Yeah. So uh, Burrow uh, apparently connected on like the first deep ball at camp yesterday with Uzoma, uh, which is good to hear. But I mean, it's camp, so you know everything is. You know what's uh, what is our friend, our future guest in in a couple of weeks? What does our friend Jake Sneed say? It, it's never as good as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems. Yeah, unless unless you watch the Bengals online the last three years, then it's as bad as it gets. Um, but that'll be in a couple of weeks. We'll have him and, and uh, Andrew Brothers, uh, a couple of Bengals fans on the podcast. Um, 
Let's see, what else? Uh, ticking through things. Jesse Bates, no real update on the contract. He did have a, I think right after we recorded last week, he was on training camp live with Dan Horde and Dave Lapham. And he had a very cryptic comment about uh, his contract situation. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, he, he, he said he apparently needs to do more to, to, to get that top safety money, which, you know, to be honest, I think, I mean, you see, you saw what Jamal Adams got, but I think it's Jamal Adams got what eighteen five a year, eighteen two five a year, something like that in annual money. Yeah, I think something like that. And, and I think, it, I mean, but I think that's because you know he's more of a hybrid. He he blitzes a lot, and gets six seven sacks a year, and I I just don't know if we can pay Jesse Bates. I mean, it would be nineteen mil a year, so I don't I don't know. Yeah, so Jamal Adams gets the bag dropped on him by Seattle. Um, it really feels like the Bengals were maybe waiting for these guys to get paid so that they could then reset the market for Bates. I don't know what they're doing, to be perfectly honest with you, um, because if I'm the Bengals, this would be priorities one, two, three, four, five, six, so on and well, so forth. I also think that they're not too worried about it because they have the tag. They still have the franchise tag. They so do have the tag. Um, they have that to fall back on. And I think – and they do have leverage. Jesse Bates kind of, you know, I love Jesse Bates, but he said he wants to stay in Cincy. He likes playing in Cincy. So I think the Bengals think they have leverage. So they're not going to overpay a guy right now when they have the tag. And he said he wants to stay. Yeah. And the, and the tag is very useful in this situation because Jesse Bates is a top player in the league. So you're okay to pay him what the average of the top five guys make. Yeah. Because you you pay him that anyway. Yeah, exactly. Whereas AJ Green on the tag was not. So there's a difference. I still don't like using the franchise tag because to me, it, it's kind of disrespectful to the player. And it makes me think that the player is going to want to leave after that tag. So I'm not enthused about it, but I'm also not very concerned. I think a deal does get done at some point, but we'll see. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, it's kind of been a while since, you know, Mixon got paid. Tyler Boyd kind of got paid. Andy Andy Dalton kind of got paid with that with his last contract in Cincinnati. But those are really like the only big, big long term contracts the Bengals have had in a little bit. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see um, the Bengals. I mean, and usually the Bengals don't have a, a top premier player to position in the NFL. So I think it's going to be interesting to see them pay Jesse Bates and and what that entails with guarantees and signing bonus and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, I happen to think that a deal does get done before the start of the season. Maybe that's uh, me being too optimistic. It is the peak of Bengals optimism season. So it's preseason. So I'm thinking we're going to go like 15 and two right now. If you talk to me next week, I think it'll be like 12 and 12 and five week after that nine and eight. And then by mid October, we'll be like seven and 10 will be my prediction. So <laughs> We're at peak optimism season right now. Um, I think the only other thing uh, I wanted to get to is, do you have anything you're going to be watching uh, in the preseason game tomorrow night in Washington? So basically we've talked about a lot of stuff already, but I think I'll, I'll be watching the, the way the O-line rotates. I think, I think that's important. We've already discussed that so far. I think the way the D-line rotates as well as the starters play more. And I also think that fourth 
the, the, the fourth and fifth wide receiver spot is interesting to me because I think it's Auden Tate at, at the four. But again, I'm not really sure. And then I'm not, I, I really don't know who the fifth would be. So I think it's going to be interesting to see those guys, you know, the, the, those backup wide receivers perform as well. Yeah, uh, it'll be very interesting to watch those battles on, on Friday night. Uh, I think the only other thing I would add to, to that list is once again, just seeing the linebackers uh, continue their development. I'm very excited to watch. Uh, it's been so long since Vontez Burfecht was decapitating people that I've been excited to watch a Bengals linebacker play. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they haven't, I mean, our boy, Nick Vigil, he, he balled out with no gloves. That's kind of fun to watch, but. It's been since Vontez Burfecht that, that we had a linebacker. And I feel like we might have two now if Jermaine Pratt can, can, can bring it this year. So I'll be watching linebackers uh, tomorrow night. You're going to be watching O-line and D-line. Uh, and I'm very interested also to see how our third, fourth, fifth corners perform if given the chance against Curtis Samuel. Or no, he's not playing. Terry McLaurin um, and Washington's receivers because they got some good receivers. Yeah, and, and I think Fitzmagic is pretty good at the QB position. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they play against a, a veteran who knows what's what defense they're in, especially in the preseason. Right, right. And then also watching our linebackers cover Logan Thomas will be a very uh, interesting thing to watch uh, uh, tomorrow night as well. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all I wanted to hit on. You got anything else you want to talk about before we get to trivia and the Reds? Uh, no, I don't think I don't I don't anything else for the Bengals. I think I think it's just going to be interesting to see how this team plays. And obviously, you know, winning in the preseason is I think it's important for morale. But I mean, let's but. Well, let's make this clear. The the Lions team that went 0-16 and the Browns team who went 0-16 both went 4-0 in the preseason. So oh, yeah, they both went undefeated in the preseason. So let's not let's not get riled up here over winning a, against backups. So what did the Bengals do in Zach Taylor's first only only preseason? Um one and three. The Bengals went one and three when Zach Taylor was uh, a rookie head coach in the preseason. So like you said, yeah, it's always good to win. We always love to win. But to be honest, be, to be honest with you, I think it's different. Like I, I, I feel a, I don't know. It just feels different with the Bengals this year. Like I feel like there's like a legit culture now. Yep. Like I feel like they, the coaches have built up a culture, and and that and that's why I think Zach Taylor's going to have not only this year but next year as well. I also hope that we purposefully pick on William Jackson uh, tomorrow night uh, because that guy can kiss my ass um but yeah so washington tomorrow night i think it's 8 p.m on nfl network um very excited to watch that um and yeah so without further ado i think it is that time to get a trivia question okay you do you have one i can do one you want to do one you i like you you do you doing better than me all right I just found this one online and I remember, I think it was my dad maybe told me this story. Somebody told me this story. And please contain your laughter until I'm finished reading the, uh, the options for your answer. Which Bengals player, in honor of our hometown, which Bengals player was arrested after coming home from Diamonds Cabaret in Dayton, Ohio? Was it A, Justin Smith, 
B, Chris Henry, C, Eric Steinbach, or D, Odell Thirsty Thurman? <laughs> well, knowing you, um, I'm going to go with D. Odell Thirsty Thurman is your answer. Okay, hold on. It's not the it's not the right answer, is it? It's not the right answer. Okay, is it A? It is A, Justin Smith. All right, yeah. Okay, all right. And somebody told me the story. Apparently, he got pulled over and he was not being very uh, obedient to the police officer. And so they just took him downtown and made him spend the night in the Montgomery County Jail. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't remember who told me that story, but it was it, it was very funny and it still is hey, very funny. Justin Smith, another another guy who left the Bengals and became a borderline Hall of Famer. So Yeah, <laughs> stud. He was a stud for the Niners. That's funny, though. I didn't know. I, I've never heard that story before. Yeah, look it, look it up. I feel like or I'll have to ask around and see who has that story. Uh, it might have been, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out and I'll, we'll, we'll get that story told. Not on here, uh, but uh, between, between co-hosts, we'll get that story told. Um, all right, one more thing to do to get till we get out of here. And I'm going to turn it over to you because you had a firsthand experience to uh, some are calling it the game of the year yesterday. Yeah, so um, my lovely co-host couldn't go to the game. Had some had some tickets brought to you by Union's Union Savings Bank. USB Jeff Jeff Melberth. Gosh, what what a guy and what what, what an organization in the bank. But you know, three rows, two rows behind the dugout. Beautiful seats. We're there. I'm David Bell's ten feet away from me. Joey Vado's five feet away from me. And uh, Tyler Malley's on the bump, hot as hell outside. But it was a great, it was a great day for some baseball. And then, and then all hell just broke loose. We give up five runs in the first, like, in the first twenty minutes of the game. I'm, I'm just pissed. Um, and we lose the series to the Double A Tennessee Smokies, aka the Cubs Double A team. It, 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 it was just disappointing to see. So, but you got to see Jose Barrero play. Yeah, first start. On him. yeah, his first start shortstop. It was nice to see him play. He got an infield single and then he hit a double later in the game, but it was nice to see him play. Yeah, I uh, supposedly he played well yesterday. I didn't watch any of the game and I guess it's good that I didn't. Um, yeah, like yeah, you said, lucky man. Reds lose a series to a team that is that had lost 11 in a row coming into Great American Ballpark. So, yeah. Inexcusable. That's pitiful. But great news. The Padres are on a slide. We're one and a half. So I mean, I, I've come to the conclusion as the Reds fan, we're not winning. We're not winning the division anymore. It's just not gonna happen. We're nine back now with 40 games left, and the Brewers are too good. But the wild card, game and a half back with that series loss, and the Padres play, they go, they play the you know, the Giants three more times I think they play the Dodgers in two more series it, it, their schedule is really hard and they yeah. can't even beat the Diamondbacks right now or the Rockies so I think I think it looks good for us yeah it's really the Cardinals were there for a second they're kind of backsliding a little bit it's really the Reds and the Padres for that last wild card spot in the NL Reds are one and a half back Padres on a slide Padres three and seven in their last 10 like you said they and they've yeah. been They've been playing the Diamondbacks and the Rockies for the yeah, last. They, I mean, they, they lost three out of four against the Diamondbacks and then got swept by the by the uh, by the Rockies. So. Yeah, 
Uh, so we'll see. The Reds are one and a half back, and the Reds' schedule is so easy down the stretch. So uh, the time to make hay is now if you're the Reds. So I uh, was talking to a fellow friend last night. Um, 13 out of our last 18 games are against the Pirates and the Nationals. So I think that's going to be an important stretch. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's just when we'll have a chance to, you know, pad, pad, our, pad our win total and then see where it lies. But I think the magic number for us to get in the wild card is around, I think, 88, 89, maybe 90. And I think that's really obtainable with the, with, with the schedule we have left. Yeah. Uh, looking at it right now, Reds go home series against Miami the, uh, starting tonight, four-gamer. You need to sweep, in my opinion. I think I think you need to. I mean, at least three. At least yeah, three. You have to win the series. Uh, then an off day Monday before uh, two city six game road trip with three in Milwaukee and then three in Miami again. And once again, you should win two out of three in Miami. Uh, and it would be really nice to get uh, get a series win in Milwaukee. Uh, it looks like the probable pitchers for Milwaukee are Mally, Castillo, and Gray. And the, Brewer, the Brewers have Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, and uh, Brett Anderson. So Freddie Peralta got hurt last night, so I don't think he's going to pitch. Oh, well, ESPN is lying to me. Yeah, uh, no, I'm just saying – I think that's – I mean, that that'll be good for that series. We don't have to face Freddie. Yeah. And then down the stretch, Red still got two series with St. Louis, uh, Detroit, Chicago – Pittsburgh three times, Washington for four games. Uh, so the Reds definitely have the schedule where it's right in front of them. All they got to do is is do it. Uh, yeah. So we shall see. Um, yeah, you got anything else? I don't have anything else. All right. I think it's uh, time for me to make – make, make, uh, Get out of here. I don't even know what I was trying to say there. I think it's time for us to get out of here. Yeah, I think it's time for oh, for us to close this down and watch a good preseason game tomorrow night. Yep, 8 o'clock, NFL Network. Uh, I'll be watching. You'll be watching. Let's get another win, even though they don't mean anything. It's always nice to win. Yep. So let's go get another one. Sounds good with me. Who day, baby? Who day.